So, but thank you, Gail. All right. I'm in a series for those who are guests of our church called Rocket Tour Through the Bible. And we are reading the Bible every day as a church. And what a blessing that has been, hasn't it? I mean, it's just been a, a great blessing. We're doing that all together. They're walking on the ground. Everybody else is walking on the ground. I'm flying way up here going faster than they are each week to kind of review where we've been, where we're going, and some principles um, out of what we're doing here in, in, in the Bible. And what a joy it has been. Now we're using a system, a way to learn the Bible of the 14 periods of the Bible. If you learn these 14 icons, then you've got the story of the Bible. I've shared uh, a few weeks ago, it's kind of like what I'm showing you. This is a puzzle. We normally learn the Bible in little bits and pieces here and there, you know, John 8 over here, and next week we're in Genesis, everything, and we don't get the whole story. When you get the whole story, when you look at the box top of the Bible, that's the box top of the Bible. Then you begin to put all the pieces together. So that's, um, that is why we're doing this, this series. Now, um, we have talked about the creation period, spent a few weeks on that. Uh, it, under the creation period, we talked about, remember, the creation first of all, then the fall of man, then the flood, and then the Tower of Babel. Those are the main events during that time period. A long time period. A good chunk of human history is during the creation period, Genesis 1-11. through 11. And then we talked about the patriarchal period. Patriarch means the fathers, the fathers of the Jewish faith. God is now calling a people through whom the Messiah will come. <clears throat> And uh, this is just a 360-year period. And you'll notice that in Genesis chapter 12 through Genesis chapter 50, a good chunk of the book of Genesis is dealing with these patriarchs. Who are the patriarchs? You got Abraham. All right, and then one of the... Good, good. They're about to make... Visitors, they're about to make me nervous. If they didn't answer that right, I would say, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Got to review a little bit more, uh, but no, good. There are three patriarchs of the Jewish faith through whom the Messiah is going to come. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob had a son named Joseph, and so he uh, spent a lot of time there on him. All right. Then we entered into the Exodus period because God sent His people down to Egypt on purpose, and they were there some 400 years in bondage. During that time, they grew from a family of 70 to over 2 million at least. And God had prophesied this would happen, and so He miraculously delivered them out of slavery. And we see this is covered in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. All right? The first five books of the Bible, Moses wrote. They are called the Pentateuch. Pentateuch just means the five books. So Moses wrote those... Um, uh, in the Bible. Now, um, a, a, about a week ago, well, early, earlier this week, it may have been last week, I prayed a prayer. And I knew God would answer this prayer. reason I knew God would answer this prayer because I knew it was His will for me to pray this prayer. And I've been looking in my own life, and I said, you know, God, I want to be more consistent. I, I, my challenge with me, you've seen me use this illustration, 
Here is intimacy with God. My challenge is not walking here with God. My challenge is not walking here with God. My challenge is being here daily. And I, I, just, I just said, Lord, I want to be more consistent. I want to be here every day. Lord, please show me how I can stay here consistently every day. And I knew God would answer that prayer. But it came in the most surprising way. You know how he answered that prayer? Reading Leviticus this week. Of all things, the boring book of Leviticus, which is the most difficult, hard to understand book, especially for us Gentiles, and God answered my prayer and showed me this. And, and here's what I want to talk about today is we're kind of, y'all are finishing up Leviticus. Um, how to be a consistent follower of God. This is what Leviticus teaches us. Get clean, stay clean, be cautious, and remain confident. And so what I'm teaching you today is something God just showed me as an answer to prayer. Out of all things, the book of Leviticus. Now, I want you to look at your life about um, how consistent are you to living close to the Lord and following God. There are some Christians that are hot and cold, in and out, there and yonder, on fire for a while, cold for a while, and that is not God's will. God wants us to be a consistent follower, as that old song says, daily walking close to thee. Daily walking close to thee. And these four principles that I'm going to go over this morning will teach you how you can live close, daily fellowship with God. That's what the book Leviticus is about. Through all those little weird offerings and uh, le- uh, you know, rules and stuff like that, it has some tremendous truths about how to be a const- consistent follower of God. So we'll talk about each one of those things. First of all, let's focus now on this principle. If you're going to be a consistent follower of God, you got to get clean. Look at what the Bible says about how we are born unclean. Uh, Isaiah 1.18 Come now, let us reason together. It's almost as if God's saying, pay attention to me, come meet me at the table. Come now and let us reason together. Think through this, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Doesn't matter how dirty you are, I can clean you up. That's what he's saying. Though they are red like crimson, that's even a darker red, they will be like wool. Here's a different translation of that. Same verse, different translation. Come, let's talk this over, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you as white as wool. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were, um, they were saying about a, a, a person, that person is unsavable. I'm going to tell you something, God can save 
anybody. God can take anybody, no matter how dark their sin, and save them. You know, there was a king in the Bible, Manasseh, who was one of the most wicked kings. He just didn't do bad things in immorality. He worshipped the devil. And he got the whole nation off into witchcraft and sorcery and all these kind of things. And lo and behold, he got so desperate one day, God put him on his face and that man is saved and I'm going to be in heaven with Manasseh. If God can save Manasseh, nobody is unsavable. Nebuchadnezzar, remember him in the Old Testament? He was like Saddam Hussein. He really was. I mean, the same kind of character as Saddam Hussein. And there is good indication that after God humbled Nebuchadnezzar and sent him out to be, live like a wild animal for seven years, that Nebuchadnezzar came back in his right mind and got saved. I will not be shocked when I get to heaven if I do not see a man who was just like Saddam Hussein who got right with God and got clean. Wouldn't surprise me if I don't see Nebuchadnezzar up there. Get clean. You're born unclean. You've got to get clean if you're even going to begin to follow God. You can't follow God unless you're saved. Look at what uh, Isaiah 64, 6 says about this. All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts... It didn't say our unrighteous acts. It says even the good that we do are like filthy rags. You know, let's just be blunt and honest because the Bible teaches us. You know what filthy rags is? You know what God says? Even when you think you are doing good, your good acts, are you ready for this? This is what the Bible teaches. I'm just telling you what the Bible teaches, what filthy rags is. We're not talking about some rag in an oil can here. We're talking about what happens with a woman once a month. That's what God says. That the good that you do before you're saved is like before Him. I like this verse. Zechariah 3, 3 through 5. And it was just talking about the high priest. Now, directly it does not refer to salvation, but it is a picture of salvation. Jeshua, who was a high priest, look what it says. Jeshua's clothing was filthy. That is, he was spiritually filthy. As he stood there before the angel, so the angel said to the others standing there, Take off his filthy clothes and turn to Jeshua. He said, See, I have taken away your sins. And now I am giving you these fine clothes. Then I said, They should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes when the angel of the Lord stood by. Can I tell you something? Before God, you were born with dirty clothes on, spiritually. You were born in rags. You were born filthy before God, and you can't take yourselves to the cleaners yourself. God's got to be the one who comes and cleans you up and gives you a new robe of righteousness in order to be saved. you got to get clean. Then Paul understood this in Philippians 3.9. Remember, he used to be the most zealous Pharisee there was. Man, you talk about a guy who tried to keep all the rules and regulations, but he realized that wasn't going to get him anywhere. Look what he said here. 
and that I may be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own, that which comes from the law, trying to keep the law and all those rules and regulations, but that which is through what? How do you get clean? Through faith, trust in Christ, the righteousness, look, that comes from God on the basis of faith. You can't go to heaven unless God gives you His righteousness and puts on those new spiritual clothes. Then, 2 Corinthians 5.21, He, that's God the Father, made Him God the Son, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. I've got a spiritual bank account, you know that? I have a spiritual bank account. And you know what God sees in my spiritual bank account? God the Father, He sees the righteousness, the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ in my spiritual bank account. And that happened when I was 10 years old. I didn't understand that. But when I, when I was 10 years old and I got saved, God put a new robe of righteousness on me and in my spiritual bank account... I have the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I cannot be judged for my sin because Jesus already took the judgment for me. And that's the only way you'll ever be clean is if God does the cleaning. I like this. Our Lord did not come to tell us what we have to do in order to save ourselves. He came to save us. The Christian doctrine of salvation and redemption is that Christ Himself is the salvation. So you gotta, you gotta get clean. Are you clean? Are your sin purged under the blood of Jesus? Do you know that you're saved? There was a lady telling us this week, Gail and I, from another church. She teaches Sunday school at another church. And she teaches senior adult ladies class. And so she decided to go around the room and ask them, hey, tell us your story when you got saved. Tell us your story. Went around the room and some gave very clear testimony. They've been saved and knew the Lord and know they're going to heaven. In our context, know that they're totally clean before the Lord. But three of those old ladies didn't have a story. Couldn't share a story of when they got clean before God, when they got saved. I want to tell you something. They're lost. They're lost church members. I got clean when I was 10 years old. In my living room couch, 1976. Don't remember the month. Don't remember the time. It was late at night. only reason I know is 1976 is uh, because I was born in 1966 and I got saved when I was 10 years old, right? <laughs> Okay. You got a story? If I were to ask you, stand up right now, what, what if I were to randomly go around and say, okay, tell us your testimony, tell us when you were saved. You ought to be able to say right then, I remember on that day, I trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've got saved and I know that I'm saved. I know my name's written in the Lamb's book of life and I'm on my way to heaven. If you don't have a story like that, you're not saved, you're still unclean and you need to get clean. Get clean. Alright, now, here's the next thing. 
not only must you get clean, that's that initial, you can't follow God unless you're clean. Say, born again. You're not one of His followers. The next thing is stay clean. Stay clean. Look what Chuck Swindoll said. The overall message of Leviticus is sanctification. That's a big word talking about getting close to Jesus and living for Jesus. Okay, That's what sanctification is and growing in the Lord. The overall message of Leviticus is sanctification. The book communicates that receiving God's forgiveness and acceptance should be followed by holy living and spiritual growth. Now that Israel had been redeemed by God, they were to be, pur- um, to be purified into a people worthy of their God. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, am holy. Um, I read an article this week, and here's the title of that article. Seven things non-Christians think about Christians. Seven things non-Christians think about Christians. So he listed seven things, but this is the one that stood out to me. I don't see much difference in the way Christians live compared to others. You see that? They're saying they claim they're clean, but they don't live clean. They don't live any different than I do. And what what a travesty... That is because God not only wants us to get clean, get saved, He wants us to stay clean. I'm not saying stay saved because once you're saved, you're always saved. You can never lose your salvation. But you can lose your intimacy and close fellowship. And the thing that blocks that intimacy and close fellowship is I practically get dirty again. God wants us to be different. He wants us to stand out. And the only way we can stand out is to stay clean. Take a look at this little dude right here. (laughs) That's what God wants us to look like in this old dirty world. He wants us to look different. And so see, Rainer said one of the things that people say about, non-Christians say about Christians is, they're just as black as we are the way they behave, the way they talk, the way they live. There's no difference. And God wrote the book of Leviticus to say, I want to see in my redeemed people a difference in their life. Practical holiness in the way they live, in the way they talk, in the way they act. The devil is a master deceiver. He is so good at getting us dirty again. Not losing our salvation, but getting us dirty as Christians. Look what Paul said here. But I'm afraid that your minds will be led led away from your true and pure following of Christ. This could happen just as Eve was tricked by that snake with his clever lies. You know what one of the things the devil's always trying to get you to do is to try to keep you dirty? He can't steal your salvation, but he can make you dirty. He can make you act dirty, talk dirty. And I'm not talking just about cussing. I mean, I'm talking about living and thinking just like the people around you where there's no difference between you and them. The devil likes to keep us dirty. There's a story about when Jesus was was doing the Passover with his disciples. You remember that night? And uh, one of those disciples looked like he was clean. 
but he wasn't clean. Judas. Judas was someone who walked around Jesus, knew about Jesus, saw the miracles of Jesus, but was lost. And Judas right now has been in hell for 2,000 years. Imagine that. The Bible calls him the son of perdition. Jesus said, been buried with that man, was never born. What a tragedy to be around Jesus, hear about Jesus, talk about Jesus, even handle Jesus and die in a wrong state and never right with Jesus. Well, Jesus, to demonstrate how this works, He took those disciples and He took a, a bowl of water and He put on a rag around His shoulder and began to take those disciples and wash their feet for them. God in the flesh washing the stinky feet of those 12 men who've been walking around getting all dirty on their feet. And uh, Jesus, Simon was like, Lord, don't do that for me. Don't do that for me. What are you doing down there? And Jesus says, Simon, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. He says, okay, wash me all over. <laughs> okay, just wash me all over then. And then Jesus answered it this way. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath, that's salvation, need only to wash their feet. feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, that is, all of y'all are saved, though not every one of you. Judas was not clean. He was not saved. Do you know God knows whether you're clean or unclean before Him? And Jesus said to us as Christians, once you get saved, you don't have to get saved again. You don't have to get washed again as far as your salvation is concerned. But we travel through a dirty old dusty world and you're going to get dust on your feet and dirt and mud and everything like that. And you need still the Son of God with His blood, not water, the Son of God to wash your spiritual feet every day. To stay clean. Look at 2 Corinthians 7.11. Since we have these promises, dear friends, we need to cleanse ourselves. Now what that means is this. That doesn't, we don't have the power to cleanse ourselves, but we do have this responsibility before go before God every day and say, God, wash my feet, wash my feet, wash my feet. That's what he's saying. We need to cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit and live a holy life in the fear of God. Look at James 1.27. The Christian who is pure and without fault, the one who's living close to me, from God the Father's point of view, is the one who takes care of orphans and widows, and who remains true to the Lord, now watch this, not soiled and dirtied by his contacts with the world. Let me tell you something about two animals, pigs and sheep. They have two different natures. The pig is happiest when he's like this, right? <laughs> Pigs are funny to me. They always look like they're smiling or something. This pig is happy. He's content. He could stay there all day long in the muck and the mire and the dirt. That's his nature. But a sheep can die in that. 
a sheep can get in big trouble when he's in the dirt. And the sad thing is that's the state of many Christians today. They're just in the mud with everybody else. This is where only sheep can be happy. Out there in the pasture of God's Word, listen to this, walking close to the shepherd. Sheep, get out of the mud. Only the shepherd can rescue a sheep out of that. That that sheep could not climb out of that mud. The shepherd had to come get it out of the mud. And some of you need to say today, you know what? I need the shepherd to get me out of the mud. I want my life to be different. I want to be different. I want to be holy and walk close to God. And let me give you three things. This is kind of a little... If you take notes, put this in a little cloud over the side. Three things that will help us stay clean. Once we get saved, these are three things that God has given us to help us stay clean. Number one, the Bible. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11, How can a young person keep his life pure? He can do it by holding on to your word. You know what that means? That doesn't mean you walk around with a Bible and you're holding on to it like this. It means you're holding on to it with your heart. And it's in you. And you're doing it. And you walk out of a sermon like this different. And you act different because you're holding on to the Word of God. And you read your Bible every day like we're doing. But you don't just read it to get information in your head. You read it so you can walk with God and love God and do what it tells you to do. Here's the same, trans- here's the same verse, different translation, TLB. I have thought much about your words and stored them in my heart so they would hold me back from sin. The Bible. Jesus said this in John 17, 17. Make them pure and holy. How? Through teaching them your words of truth. So there's the Bible. Here's the next thing. If you're going to stay uh, close to God... The next word is the battle. How do you stay clean? The Bible. And then you've got to engage in a daily battle. Look what it says here in James 4, 7-8. Submit therefore to God. Here's the battle. Resist and keep on resisting the devil and he will flee from you. Action word. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How do you get there? Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I want to tell you something. That is a verse that you've got to practice every day because the devil's always going to try to get you in the mud as a sheep and you can't passively go through life just thinking everything's just going to happen on its own. God says you need to get in the Bible and you need to get in the battle. And as the Bible talks about mortifying the flesh, putting to death sin in your life, an active thing, the battle... And look what happens when you get full of the Word of God and, and what you can do with these weapons that God has given you. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 For though we live in the world, we do not wage war, see, battle, as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, spiritual strong, demolish strongholds. 
We demolish. We actively engage in warfare. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know what that means? That means that Satan's going to be lobbing dirt balls in your mind. All the time, dirt balls in your mind. And you've got to constantly pluck out the dirt balls with the sword of the Word of God. Otherwise, you'll be dirty. You won't lose your salvation, but you'll lose your distinctiveness and you'll be living way over here instead of living right here. You've got to be engaged in the battle. Look what uh, this uh, J.C. Ryle said. The devil must be daily resisted. The world must be daily overcome. There's a warfare to be raised and a battle to be fought. And then here's the last thing under this little uh, side note, the blood. That's how you win. Look at uh, Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Do you know whenever you start talking about the blood and really focusing on the blood, the devil will start to attack you because there's something about the blood that scares him to death. Remember Superman? The only thing that make him shrink back is kryptonite, right? The blood of Jesus is kryptonite against the devil. Amen. The blood. And, and, and so here's what we need to do. We get dirty? Well, let Jesus wash your feet. 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus' His Son cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, if we say, God, I need you to wash my feet, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not just to forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't just need forgiveness, you need to ask God's cleansing. Now here's the next thing. How do you be a consistent follower of God? You get clean, you get saved, and then once you save, if you fall in the mud, I mean, you need to stay clean, but if you fall in the mud, <laughs> you need to deal with that. Like Leviticus said, offer up a sacrifice, offer up a sacrifice for the cleansing of your sin. Now here's the next thing. Uh, be cautious. Be cautious. Um, be cautious. There is a promise of blessing if you walk with God. If you stay close to Him, He said, watch this. Pay attention to this. Be cautious to this, He said to them in Leviticus. Look at the blessing I'll give you if you'll stay clean. This is right out of your scriptures you're reading this week. Leviticus 26, 9 through 13. I will look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people, and I will fulfill my covenant with you. He's talking to the Jews. You will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. I will live among you. I'll be close to you. And I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I, the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, so you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck 
so you can walk with your heads held high. Man, I'm telling you, you walk close to Jesus, you don't walk like this, you walk like this. Thank God for His blood. Thank God for His blood. But there's also a promise of discipline. Because he, He's saying, be cautious. I want to bless you, and if you walk with me and do what I'm telling you to do, stay clean, I'll bless you. But if you don't, here's what's going to happen if you don't. Right out of your passage this week, passages. Leviticus 26, 14 through 17. However, if you do not listen to me or obey all my commands, all these commands, and if you break my covenant by rejecting my decrees, treating my regulations with contempt, and refusing to obey my commands, I will punish you, meaning discipline. I will bring sudden terrors upon you, wasting diseases and burning fevers that will cause your eyes to fall and your life to ebb away. You'll die early. You will plant your crops in vain because as soon as you do, your enemies will eat them. Verse 17, I will turn against you. Hey, do you want God against you? Mm-mm. And you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you, and you will run even when no one is chasing you. You know what the Bible says? If a Christian decides they're saved, but they just content living over here, not living close to the Lord, you know what God says? He's going to bring discipline in your life. And some of you may be thinking this. Look at what this verse says. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Hey, you know what? I'm standing right now. I'm living close to Jesus. But I'm cautious. Because I could fall. And that's the way you got to live. you got to live cautiously. Look at this verse. Galatians 6.1. Look what it says here. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, in other words, if they're a Christian and they're in the mud, you who are godly should go over there and pull that sheep out of the mud. Help them get out. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. But then he gives a warning. Cautiousness. And be careful not to fall into that same temptation yourself. By the way, let me, let me just mention this. There was, some, there was a local pastor who was blasting a pastor I knew who had a 10-minute slip in his morality. He heard his testimony. There was no adultery. But 10 minutes of getting in the mud with Satan. And it's really hurt his testimony. And that local pastor here, I won't call his name, was blasting him. How could he have done that? How could he have let that happen? And just railing against this pastor. And I'm telling you, I almost got in my car, walked in his office and said, You be careful. You think you stand, you could fall too. You never get to a place in the Christian life where you've made it. You've got to be cautious. Look what it says here. Hebrews 12, 6. Because if you're not cautious, the Lord corrects the people He loves and disciplines those who He calls His own. I got clean when I was 10 years old, but nobody ever told me how I needed to wash my feet. 
let Jesus wash my feet. And so I drifted so far away from God. You know what God did? God took me to the woodshed and flat knocked me down on my face. And you know what I realized then? I need to get cleaned. I don't need to get saved again, but I need Jesus to wash my feet. You know what he did? He washed my feet. I was 19 years old, and I've been living in that washing ever since. But, I mean, that was the big, <laughs> the big foot washing then. But every day, I got, I got to make sure I'm clean. My feet are washed. Because I don't want to be disciplined. Be cautious. Then here's the last thing, real quickly. Remain confident. Let's look at this verse right out of our passage. But at last my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors for betraying me and being hostile toward me. When I have turned their hostility back on them, that is, I've disciplined them and brought them to the land of their enemies, then at last their stubborn hearts will be humbled. Now they're getting ready to get clean. And they will pay for their sins, that is, they suffered the consequences for their sins. Then, here it is, be confident. I'll remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. And I will remember the land. I can get them to where they need to go. For the land must be abandoned to enjoy its years of Sabbath rest as it lies deserted. That's a whole complicated thing. As at last the people will pay for their sins for they have continually rejected my regulations and despised my decrees. But despite all this, them getting dirty... I will not utterly reject or despise them when they are in exile in the land of their enemies. I will not cancel out my covenant with them by wiping them out, for I am the Lord uh, their God. For their sakes, I will remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors, who I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of all the nations, that I may be their God, I am the Lord. These are the decrees, regulations, and instructions that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai as evidence, keyword of the relationship between Himself and the Israelites. I like this. Reminds me of this. A Christian is never in a state of completion, but always in a state, always in a process of becoming. Coming like Jesus. We'll show you a picture and then we're done. It's a picture of my son Jay. I think he, I think he may be about eleven there, ten or eleven. I can't remember. That picture was taken on a mission trip. He and I went on a mission trip to Nicaragua. I taught at Nicaragua Baptist Seminary. I got to preach in the largest Baptist church in Nicaragua. And Jay gave his testimony in the largest Baptist church in Nicaragua. And he told him how he got clean. Okay? And uh, I saw him there when we were, one day we were out near the coast, the Pacific coast of Nicaragua. And I took that picture and I thought, man, that's a cool looking picture. And uh, my son is not perfect, but I'm telling you, ever since he was little, God's hand has been on him. God's hand has been on him. I took that picture and later on, not in this picture, I put a watercolor wash on it and had it framed. And I called that picture a bright future. That sun right there, a bright future. And underneath it, I put his life verse. Here's the verse he clings to. This is his life verse. Philippians 1.6 
being confident of this very thing, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Be confident. Let's bow for a word of prayer.